Welcome to episode 24 of the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast. I'm really excited today because we are headed all the way to Fort Worth, Texas, and we're going to be visiting uh, with Chandler Crouch, and he's going to be talking to us about why customer service always comes first. So if you're ready, here we go. Welcome to the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast, where we have real, raw conversations with industry leaders, finding out how to connect, support, lead, and ultimately make an impact and drive results in the lives of your agents. I'm your host, Nathan Daniel, and welcome to the show. All right, all the way from Fort Worth, Texas, Chandler, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you here too. I know um, we've been kind of going back and forth. There were some vacations and some other stuff happening, but I'm, I'm excited that you're here and I appreciate you coming on the show today. So, Absolutely. Thank you so much. I think this yeah. podcast is great. There aren't enough uh, brokers out there talking to uh, help each other out. The pie is big enough for all of us. And and uh, I know I need all the help I can get. So I hope, I hope somebody can get something out of this. That's right. That's right. So tune in, everybody tune in, listen up, share it with somebody, share it with another broker, because I love what you said there. The pie is big enough. Um, well, well, Chandler, let's jump in. I want to, I want to know all about you and your company and, and you know, what y'all do. So tell me about that. Sounds good. Well, I have been in the real estate business for 20 years. I started out because I wanted to be an investor. I have tried a number of different things. I was buying and selling houses and then uh, I've uh, uh, put on my loan officer hat for a little while. And uh, anyway, one thing led to another. In about 2015, I started really focusing on building what uh, we have today, which is building the brokerage company. I uh, have been independent from day one. I got my broker's license and didn't really start using it to bring on real estate agents or to build a team until about 2015. And uh, so now I, I, I've got a team of about 15 agents, uh, a, a handful of support staff, and uh, I run the uh, brokerage company like, an, uh, like what most people think of as a team. Uh, because I think that's how it should be. That's uh, a lot of a lot of involvement from the leader and just making sure they keep quality high and that sort of thing. And uh, I could go on and on and on, but uh, got three kids and a wife, and <laughs> I really like Mexican food and whatever. There you go. <laughs> well, hey, you know you got some you got some great Mexican food down there in Fort Worth. I got family that lives down there, so. Um, well, okay. So I want to go back because you said um, when we were talking originally, I know you said you you spent some time as an investor. So can we start there? Sure. Yeah. All right. So so tell me about that experience. Now you were you were a full time investor. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you flipped like you did. How you flipped houses? Did you buy and hold? How many doors did you build up to? Those are all great questions. So whenever I started, I started really dumb. <laughs> I didn't know what the word mortgage meant, really. And I, I was completely broke. And this is back before the internet really kicked off back in 2002. <laughs> Sound really old now. But, uh, you know, there are all these infomercials about with these real estate investor gurus that would teach you how to buy houses without using any of your own money. And uh, you could get cash back at the closing and all these things that... Um, 
just sounded really attractive. And I thought, you know, I want to do that. So uh, I tried just about every technique that I learned about in any real estate investor class or anything that any guru was doing. I was dumb enough and had nothing to lose. I just like, and I was really eager. So I was like, I'm just going to try it. So I tried a number of things and, uh, you know, from short sales and owner finance, wrap mortgages, subject to lease options. I mean, you just, you name it. And I tried it. Everything except buying a house off the courthouse steps. I showed up with money in my pocket and it just didn't happen for me. But uh, anyway, uh, after doing all of that, uh, a number of different exit strategies, I did a uh, long-term hold uh, and rent. And I did the uh, kind of delayed uh, flip, which would be like a two-year hold and, and sell. Uh, I did immediate flips and also everything in between, uh, held some notes for owner financing. What I learned after all that is, uh, number one, uh, uh, you have to buy low and sell high. And it doesn't matter what cute little technique you're using. That fundamental doesn't change. And there's no such thing as a no-risk transaction. Um, I could go on and on about that because that, that's the way they're promoted, but it's not the reality. Um, and the second thing is that whenever I started out, I was completely broke. And I do actually care about uh, making sure I'm not losing someone else's money. So I might use be using someone else's credit or as a kind of like a partnership, or I might uh, have an investor that invested money. And I just, for me, even though my credit, my money wasn't on the line, I kind of, I, I held it to a higher regard than maybe if it was my own. And so um, whenever you operate that way, I just was not willing to move as fast as I probably should have to make it really work. Um, because I didn't want to mess up. So anyway, um, I, the I, long story short, I, 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 it's it's a lot better if you have some money uh, to to start that. If you're investing, it helps to have some money. Um, and so I decided to just focus on uh, being a realtor, so that um, it's more you know I, I'm not I'm not having to invest so much to get a, a massive return on my money. And so uh, the more and more I focus on that, I just think that it's an easier model to duplicate and replicate and multiply and and scale up and so that's that's yeah. what's got all my attention right now okay so well thank you thank you for that so two lessons i heard from your investor investor days uh buy low and sell high and have a little bit of cash on hand um i love go. those two lessons I, I i love those two lessons and so now fast forward like you're making that decision you know what i i'm gonna i'm gonna take the traditional brokerage route i'm gonna start a, a real independent real estate firm and I'm going to build it as a team. And so when we were initially talking, you said something that kind of that struck at me and, and it was it was customers come first. So can you talk to me about what you mean by customers come first? And because that's ingrained in your mission, right? Yep, that's it. Um, yeah, if I just I, the only reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, as opposed to something else, I would be I would be an entrepreneur on one level or another. But um, the reason why I'm focused in the area that I'm in is because I want to make a difference. I think that uh, if I just wanted to make money, there are probably other things out there that I might that might get my focus. Because if you just look at <laughs> you just look at the environment, you have the there are brokers out there that are sponsoring agents at these insane splits or flat fee, you know, type brokers where you're you know it's a ninety ten split or there's a small transaction fee and I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to compete on that level unless I have a ton of agents. Well, 
to get a ton of agents, I have to be willing to accept just about anybody. And then when I accepting any agent to come on board, then those are going to be the worst agents, the rookie agents, or I could go after a higher end crowd, but then I'd have to provide more resources. And anyway, one, it, it's like, I, I either have to be willing for those agents to deliver horrible results to clients, or I have to train the agents. And if I'm going to train the agents, then I have to either charge them extra for training or I need to increase commission splits. And so I, I just thought, well, to be, if I want to be like everybody else, then uh, I'll charge a low flat fee. I'll, uh, I'll charge extra for training and then nobody will want to take the training and I'll be like every other brokerage company out there. And I just thought I'm, I'm not okay with that. And I'm not okay with clients getting the raw end of a deal while we're going through this learning curve. So I just decided to reform the whole process and just take a more active role and make sure that the compensation structure was ingrained into our business model so that I could afford to invest fully in the training and really passionately help real estate agents go from, you know, not knowing a thing about real estate to being uh, expert level. And, um, and then our clients will win if I do that. And so, it, and so the whole value set of how I was focusing on real estate changed. It was looking at the value proposition that I bring to the marketplace. It's, it's really a client first proposition, which is just like every other business that I've ever gone to and appreciated, you know, you have all these, everybody's always thinking, what does the client want? You know, what's the, what's in it for them, you know, and, and instead of just focusing on recruiting agents and trying to make that the value proposition and not really caring about the client, I just decided, well, if we do what clients really want and we deliver a level service with a level results, then, um, then that's what realtors want. So I, I, I can put the client first, kind of forget about the realtor, get the business to show up. And then that's going to be, that's as long as the realtor and I are in, in line with wanting the best for the client, then the realtor is going to love working here as well. And that, that kind of helps shape the culture. And I, I could just go on and on forever about it, but yeah. um, well, that's, that's it. Well, I, I, well, I love that. And I, I heard two things and I want to kind of go, go deeper on, on two of these points real quick. One is the, the client first model. Um, I heard what you said there. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that, but then I also want to hear how are you making sure that you're training your agents and, and leading your agents to, to live that client first model as well. So let's start first with the, uh, with the client first model. Like how have you set yourself up to be that client first experience um, in your market? The client first. Well, it, it first of all, my company is a reflection of what I'm willing to tolerate. So it's not the easiest thing for me to go out there and find awesome agents just at will. I can increase the odds I'm going to find an awesome agent, but uh, but I can definitely make sure that if an agent isn't awesome, I can say bye to them. Uh, and not and 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 not keep them in in under the same roof. So that's the first thing. Second thing is just being really involved. So I personally train all of our agents, um, and uh, and I really care about uh, the agent's success, and I care about uh, the client's experience. And so, um, you know, how do I do it? Number one was creating a, a compensation structure that 
justifies me spending that amount of time into uh, the agent's lives and creating a, a situation where they can afford to come on board and I'm not charging them an arm and a leg up front, but it's, and I could go into that in detail, but I know we're kind of, kind of leave numbers out of this on, and I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. But um, the, that's the first thing. Then, then it's just training them from square one. And then there's no shortcut. You know, you, I'm, I'm just involved in the transactions in the beginning until I can see a track record where they can stand on their own two feet. If somebody's not cutting it or they're just, you know, if somebody's not cutting it, then I say bye to them and we keep the the good guys. And, you know, there's, there's no other way around it. I like it. So high standards on who you hire and then holding them accountable to that client experience. And uh, so as a company, I know one thing, um, and you know, if you're okay, if I, if I talk about this, one thing that I've seen you do for the community um, is, is in Texas, you have the ability to negotiate your like uh, property taxes, right? So as a part of um, your experience and you offer this service to all of your agents and their clients, right? Um, You offer that service of going in and actually fighting to lower tax rates. Talk about that. When did that start? Yep, you got it. So uh, you you mentioned something earlier about customer service and just how how that shapes our focus. And really, it's it it does come from a, the value standpoint that we just touched on. And uh, I just wanted to mention this little mantra. This is one thing that um, creates the marketing focus, and that's what we're getting to now. Is the marketing focus is that I believe that our brand and our marketing is our client's experience. So our brand is our client's experience. It's not a set of colors or a set of logos. That's all stuff that kind of plays into it, but it's a very fairly minimal part. Um, I I don't know if you ever heard the saying that uh, people won't may may not remember. I don't know. May not remember much about what you said, but they're going to remember how you made them feel or something like that. So that's the experience. So um, from the marketing side, it didn't make sense for us to just keep sending out postcards and filling up people's mailboxes. Uh, and spending thousands of dollars to do that. Although I could justify doing that because I can measure a rate of return on that. It's very tangible and very easy to measure a rate of return. So I can justify a huge spend. But instead, I just said, you know what? I'm, I've am i created the training program and all sorts of other things in our company to be uh, to align with these values. What if we re-engineered the marketing to align with those values as well? And so we kind of took a gamble and decided we were just going to look for ways to serve our local community and to become a valuable part of the community. I'd read a couple books. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, kind of preaches about this the, in the thank you economy and the book Crush It. Uh, just it's And, and it kind of lines with my spiritual values as well, just giving first and uh, walking in faith kind of thing. So that's what we did. We were looking for opportunities to give uh, people the the property taxes here are insane. And the whole property tax system here in Texas is just nuts. They allow homeowners to protest their property taxes. And so uh, we started out by just answering questions and providing information so that people could go out and protest their own property taxes. And then one thing led to another. And it just made more sense to take the work on and actually represent our clients in protesting their property taxes. And we decided to do it for free uh, just as a way of giving and serving. Um, and then, you know, it, the, everybody needs help and nobody understands the system. So it just took off like crazy. And we started that five years ago. And this year in Tarrant County, uh, we've what well, we've narrowed the focus to to only Tarrant County. Well, that might change next year, but 
Um, in Tarrant County, now uh, we I protest more than anybody else. I represent more people than anybody else, and we had like twenty two thousand uh, folks that that we helped. But uh, wow, wow, yeah, that's, yeah. A lot. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot. You got to have your systems in place to make that happen because it's in a like in a period of time, right? Like a month or something that you have to do it. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. very limited period of time. We have all you know fourteen thousand people signed up this year within 30 days. And I wow. mean, it, it talk about it's, it's, it's just, it's a really been a really insane experience to go from zero to that in five years. But, um, well, that's cool. And that's an awesome service that you're providing to the community. I mean, you're helping people save, I, I imagine thousands of dollars, um, on their taxes and stuff. And of course they're going to, you know, think of you and your agents whenever that happens. So, um, well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a phenomenal service. Now, I want to talk about your agent training, like when you're bringing them on board and, and how do you set that expectation up front that, hey, client comes first? How do you how do you set that expectation with your agents? Well, uh, it's it's one of those things that I could talk about or I could just kind of be it and show it and do it. And so, you know, I, certainly I, I the very first conversation that I have with an agent, I bring out this uh, slide that shows our mission, vision, and core values in a very, very simple terms. It just says, uh, on one side, it says, uh, kind of on the mission part, it says clients, it just, number one, clients, number two, uh, agents, and or team. And then for vision, it just says this location, uh, a few different locations and then make an industry wide impact. And that, and, and I, I don't have, I just, I just got so burnt out on trying to make these snazzy mission statements or whatever, that that's what it had. And then on the right side, I have a picture of Jesus <laughs> and it says <laughs> underneath it, it says, Jesus is my homeboy. And it's just a funny way for me to let people know that, you know, I, I it's not, I'm not trying to shove religion down anybody's throat, but whenever you're starting out in, in, in business and for sure being a real estate agent, uh, when you're when you get in and you you think you're going to get rich and have these you know, mega success in month one, but then you get to month three, and if you've been going hard at it for a while and you've spent all the time to get licensed, you spent all the time to go through training, and you've been making a bunch of calls and you just don't have any deals closing, or you have deals that are getting under contract and then falling apart, it's a very difficult learning curve. And there's, and, and as much, I, I put the ages through six weeks of training and as much training as we do there, you, there's still some intangible things you can't teach. And so when you reach depths of those moments, there are dark days where you think about quitting and you really get in tune with who you are as a person and why you're doing what you're doing. And I just tell people, look, if I don't care what you believe. We have to share certain common values, but I don't care what religion you are or if you have a religion at all. You just have to be able to put up with me talking about my religion every now and then because that's how I make sense of the world. And that's how I process these dark times. And I can talk about it without using the word Jesus. But if I'm going to be honest, that's really how I think about it in my own head. And so when you lead with that kind of thing right up front and it's real and they see I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm actually a pretty screwed up guy. And I, you know, I, I need it just to keep me out of the gutter more than anything. And maybe that makes me weak, but I don't care. That's just the way I'm wired. Um, and, and I lead with that with, with honesty. Um, then it's just one of those things where, you know, I'm not flirting with girls and doing things. I'm, I'm maintaining professionalism. Then they see that that just creates a culture where, um, people, people get it. It's like, we all want to succeed, but 
most agents really truly want to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, if, if we're all out there aligned in the same thing, then it really works well. And, and I, you, it, that it takes care of a lot of the stuff. So I don't have to preach about it. We're just doing it. You know, yeah. that's a long answer, but well, no, I love, and I love that. I mean, I heard a couple different things and first and foremost, I love how simple, uh, you actually keep your mission and vision and everything. I do think sometimes we tend to overcomplicate it and put too many fancy words into it, but you know, I think having clients and then team, I think that's great. And then you said something else. And um, it's funny. I was actually watching um, a, a video on YouTube this morning and it was a short and it was talking about coaches and it was asking a di the difference between like a coach and a trainer. And um, it was talking about a coach. Does your coach actually show you what to do by doing it first and then, you know, letting you follow behind them? Or are they a trainer where they're directing the conversation and saying, okay, you do this, jump over these things, run these cones and all this stuff. And, and what I heard you say is that you live it first and then you let them experience you and your authentic self and unapologetic way. Right. And just allow you to be yourself and they will follow, right. They will follow yep. in your footsteps. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, I think it's really important to do that for a, a number of reasons. Number one, when they see that there's no judgment and that like, you know, I'm going to hop in there and I'm going to make mistakes and follow my face, then they can see that you can be very successful without having to be perfect. And I think, you know, fear is the number one issue that people have starting out. And that, that causes agents to fail. It manifests in different ways. For me, it manifests in distraction. I used to think that having attention deficit disorder was my biggest problem. And so I started realizing that, you know what, I'm able to maintain pretty darn good focus. In fact, sometimes unbelievable focus until I get into an area that I'm uncomfortable with and I'm challenged with. And then since I have 300,000 things to do, it's really easy for me to justify skipping around and doing two or three other things. And then, you know, reflect on that and realize it's just me being uncomfortable. And I just yeah. need to, you know, slap myself in the face a second and put my nose down and get it done. Well, hmm. other people, you know, it'll manifest in laziness. They'll just recoil a little bit and not, and not, you know, do the things and take action as quickly as they, they need to. And it's just because they're uncomfortable. So when they see somebody walk through that, it helps. Um, yeah. but I'm going to tangent for just one second on something a little bit. Different. Yeah. I, I feel like it's difficult to, uh, be a realtor and be a broker at the same time. And, and I, I say that I shouldn't throw around the jargon. I should, it's it's difficult to be a real estate agent selling houses, representing people, and also be a broker at the same time. And so for me, I've chosen to be a broker and to maintain that coaching aspect. And so whenever I'm doing it with them, I'm like, no, you're going to go to the listing appointment. And if you need help, I'm here to help. And we can role play and we can do this in the office all day long, but I don't want to do it for them. And I, yeah. you know, that I, I keep the broker hat on and the coach hat. And if I get a lead that comes in the door, I don't scrape the cream off the top. I hand it straight over to the agents just because it, that's the way I feel like the organizational structure is best suited so that I can do this really, really well. And they can do that really, really well. And it, and it works together really, really well. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, you, you, you hit on a topic that's very touchy. I mean, I think there's so many that are, let's just say competing brokers and non-competing brokers and, and, you know, everybody gets to make their own choice on what that looks like. And I think, um, you're right though. It is tough. Like, because even, even only on the broker side, if you're not, if, if you're not even in production, there's so many hats that we have to wear, 
constantly, right? Like we're in sales, we're in training, we're in coaching, we're in mentoring, we're in legal compliance, we're in all sorts of different positions. And then if you also tack on that production side of it as well, it can be tough, right? You're juggling, you know, two main things. So uh, I commend you for standing up and be like, you know what, I am going to be the leader and not be in production, but you're pouring into your people and teaching them how to be great customer service agents, right? Yep. Yep. It, cool. it, it was uh, difficult at first. It took, um, it, it was a pay cut for sure. In fact, it's probably still a pay cut in some ways. I could probably make more, but I, you know, I, uh, I read uh, some, uh, Entree Leadership is, uh, no, no, not uh, E-Meth Revisited. And uh, there are a couple other books that are just like that. And, you know, it, you're either working on your business or working in your business. And uh, that was the quickest ticket to start working on the business and to be able to multiply. And, you know, it's, it, it just made sense. And it also kept my marriage together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You try to, you try to do too many things and you realize, you know, you got to let go of something and just really focus. Yeah. And I it, it kind of, you know, uh, jumping back to the first subject we, we went into, um, I, one of the things I realized was if I'm trying to do a whole lot of everything, then I end up not going very deep. And so I've, mm-hmm. I've just, done everything I can to really discipline myself to focus on as few things as possible, but to go as deep as I possibly can, uh, to be the, the number one in something. And, yeah. um, and so that's, that's part of the the decision and getting out of investing and not, you know, not going to the house to do the listing appointment, even though, I mean, I passed up on a, uh, two and a half million dollar deal the other day. And it was like, you know what, I'm either, I'm either holding true to this or I'm not. So what yeah. is it? Got to put your money where your mouth is. So, well, and like you said earlier, if you, you know, now that you've done that and you've got your focus points that you're focused on, you know, you can start to feel when you're getting outside of those comfort zones, right. Cause you get uncomfortable. Right. So I think you probably can start feeling yourself going, okay, maybe I'm in a zone I shouldn't be in. And that pulls you back to it. Well, um, okay. So, Greatest lesson, you know, I want to ask a couple questions um, as we as we begin to wrap up here. What's the greatest lesson you've learned in the last six months? <laughs> uh, okay, I was trying to think about this because uh, I've, I've okay. I would say the greatest lesson in the last six months. I don't know if this is it, but this is a good one. Uh, I learned it from watching the documentary uh, Last Dance. It was a documentary about Michael Jordan and their his run with the bulls and and what his career looked like. And uh, what I realized after watching that was that there are no special skills that that guy has that he didn't learn in little league, whatever basketball, whatever you call that. He learned Mm -hmm. how to shoot, dribble, pass all, you know, right off the bat. And whenever he is in little league or whatever you call it. But, and then as a professional, there are so many people that are so, so good what causes him to be so much better than all the rest? And the thing that he kept coming back to in that documentary was he would continually motivate himself and find excuses, find ways, lie to himself even, figure out things that caused him to get motivated. And he would go into a game and his peers knew it. They're like, oh no, you should not have done that to Michael. And then he would bring his A game and do these unbelievable things. Well, it, it at the core of it, it sure, he's got unbelievable skills, but so do a lot of people. Um, at that level, the thing that was made him truly the most special is the the way he motivated himself. And I, I just like if that's if that's the lesson that Michael Jordan needs, 
that or that they, that's the thing that made him special. I need to take that to heart and really focus on motivating myself and our agents to just keep sparking that fire because that's that's where it's at. It's just an ah, awesome lesson for me. Learn to motivate yourself. Okay, I wrote that down. The last dance um, with Michael Jordan. I'm gonna go watch that documentary now. Um, okay, so you know this this the show is for brokers helping brokers and and giving guidance lessons and all that kind of stuff. So looking back, you know, if you were to give advice to somebody who's just getting started or growing the business the way you wanted to grow it, um, what advice would you give? Oh man. You know, uh, I've always thought that maybe it would have been better for me to start with, uh, a, a franchise company like, uh, you know, Keller Williams Century 21 Remax, any of them and, and work as part of a team just so I could see that I've been independent from day one. I don't know. I, I, I wonder I, at times I, and at times I wonder if I stepped out of personal production a little too soon, maybe I should have uh, built that a little bit bigger. I don't know. Um, so I, I don't know about the path, I think, to each his own. And it's the way I did it. I'm glad I did it. Um, as far as advice I would give, uh, I, I, as, it, there's, there's, I would say it's this. Uh, there's no shortcut. And mm -hmm. the, actually, the shortcut is the hard road. The hard road is the shortcut. The best way to get the best employees is uh, I, I made my hiring process just insane. I make people jump through a, a bunch of hoops and I go really deep in making sure that I'm doing the best I can to hire the best person. And it's a lot of work up front. But once I do that, then I have this incredible employee that we're aligned with values and on the same mission. And I actually don't have to look over their shoulder and I'm actually super confident that they're going to do a great job. Many times the job better than I could do it. And that's the ticket for me. I know that's going to be the ticket as I continue to scale. So uh, the long road is, or the hard road is the shortcut. I guess yeah. that would be. Okay. Well, hey, thank you for that. I know um, sometimes it's easy to go with the easy road, but the hard road's worth the journey, right? I know there's a quote out there around that. Um, and I'm going to end on this. Like we've been talking to Chandler Crouch uh, out of Fort Worth, Texas. And you had a quote um, that actually, uh, that you said, it's not passive care about the clients, experience more than anything else. So I'm going to quote you on that if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. That so, works. so anyways, if they, if you want to get in touch with Chandler, uh, chandlercrouch.com, best way to do it. You, you can go. also yep. find you on Facebook, same tags, all that stuff. You right? search Chandler Crouch anywhere and you'll be able to find it. Okay. Awesome. Well, Chandler, thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, pouring into us and giving us a little bit of wisdom today. I appreciate you. Thank you. It's been a fun anytime. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the channel. For more information, tools, and resources, go to www.brokertobrokerpodcast.com and 